Welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspired Podcast. We are so happy to have you join us. This is Blake Lindsay, and I hope you've had a wonderful week this week. You know, I love when Zig says, if you don't think every day is a great day, then just try missing one of them. Yes, today truly is a great day to be alive. Zig is going to tackle a very heavy subject. I'm talking about forgiveness. Is there someone in your life whom you need to forgive? Let's listen together to Zig Ziglar. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. What is your self-image? One of the most beautiful letters I've ever gotten is from a psychologist, Dr. Jocelyn Fuller. She had attended a sales seminar, and she said, you know, I never realized that salespeople are such good psychologists. She said, I learned some things at a sales seminar, but I never dreamed no way. She said, I learned to appreciate my own profession more. And she said, since then, I no longer have to parade my credentials. I no longer have to tell about my academic background. She said, I I still have them up on the wall. But she said, I value myself for who I am and not because of some piece of paper or a degree. I found it enormously exciting. Uh, One of the psychologists that I work with is a man named uh, Dr. John Leto. And Dr. Leto says that if in human nature, if in dealing with people, if we would learn to deal with every person as if they were our best friend that we would be able to get along with far more people, be accepted by a whole lot more people, and our own self-image as a result would be substantially improved. Now, folks, let me say something here that's extremely significant. I know it's awfully tough to respond when your mate of 17 years walks out and leaves you with four children to raise. That doesn't get solved in 20 minutes. I know that it's tough to respond when a trusted friend and a partner embezzles funds from the company, forces you into bankruptcy, you lose your home, and so many other things. I know it's tough to respond when you're unjustly fired or when you were abused as a child or when your child was killed by a drunken driver or by a drive-by shooting and then they walk away scot-free. I know it's an awfully tough thing to do. But the question is, just how do you respond? What are the steps that you take? First of all, you must acknowledge where you are. 
See, that's one of the things a lot of times we don't do. We don't want to think about it. Where am I at this moment? Where are you when something like that happens? I'm here to tell you we grow in adversity. Mary Crowley grew in adversity. You can grow in adversity. In the uh, March 28, 1993 issue of Parade Magazine, some of you might have seen the article on a young man from Fort Worth named Randy Souter. 17 years old, an athlete, a very healthy, outgoing young man. He injured himself in a diving accident, became a paraplegic. He was in the hospital for five months. And he, of course, was very upset about what had happened. One day, he's active and enthusiastic and doing everything that a healthy 17-year-old athlete would do. And the next moment, he realizes he's going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Yes, he had a pity party there for about five months. But in the past, he had demonstrated some artistic skills. And one of the therapists there at the hospital almost literally forced a brush on his hand and brought him the stuff, and he started again doing uh, some work in the world of art. Now, his objective had originally been to get into uh, creative advertising with some ad agency. But while he was piddling with his artwork and he went to work with this ad agency and uh, one of his uh, pictures was sitting there on the floor and a gentleman saw it and said, hey, do you have another picture like that? Do you have any that are for sale? Bottom line, six years later, this young man has developed a talent that has enabled his paintings to be in over 1,500 galleries around the country. Here's what he said. He said, had this not happened to me, I doubt that I would be where I am today. He took the proverbial lemon. He made the proverbial lemonade. He took what happened to him, didn't moan all of his life. Now for five months, he did. And then he decided, I got to get on with life. People ask him, uh, what's the last thing you think about? Do you think about that wheelchair all the time? He responded, the last thing I ever think about is my wheelchair when I get up in the morning. I'm excited about what I'm doing. When we get excited about life, then, ladies and gentlemen, we can respond instead of reacting. But understand where you are. Take a little inventory. If you're feeling down, if you really are not happy with things, it's okay to get down. In the February 3rd, 1987 issue of the New York Times, they had a very significant article. It pointed out that a lot of people have every reason to be negative. A lot of people have every reason to be pessimistic. Maybe their life up until this point has indicated that, yes, that's where they ought to be. Where would we be had we faced some of those situations is what we need to ask ourselves. But they also went ahead to say that once you've identified where you are, you don't go around beating yourself up about where you are at this moment. You start looking at how you can change your thinking. You see, when you change your thinking, you change your action. When you change your action, you change your future. Now, how do you change your thinking? Why well, you change what you put in your mind. You see, the mind is the gateway to the heart. You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into that mind. You can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. I, I love the story of the old Eskimo who years ago up in Alaska had two fighting dogs. One was white, one was black. 
He brought them to town every Saturday. They had those vicious dog fights in those days. And one Saturday the white dog would win, one Saturday the black dog would win. Well, they were vicious and cruel. And after a period of time, they had beaten each other up so much and chewed each other up so much, they no longer could put on a good fight. And so he retired them. Then one Saturday he was back in town and uh, somebody asked him, said, you know, I noticed that the uh, white dog won one week, the black dog won one week, but I also noticed that you always, 100% of the time, bet on the dog that won. Now, how on earth did you know every week which one was going to win? Old Indian kind of smiled and said, well, it really was pretty easy. He said, I always bet on the one I'd been feeding all week. (laughs) Doesn't take a genius to figure that one out, does it? Now, does it take a genius to figure out that what we put in our mind affects our thinking, and our thinking affects our actions, and our action affects our future? Major message, acknowledge where you are, that's so important. And the second thing you do, if someone is responsible, as this businessman's father was, for your dilemma in life, then what you ought to do is you ought to get rip-roaring, snorting mad about it. I mean, you really ought to get absolutely furious and blame them for everything that has gone wrong in your life. I mean, let it all hang out. Write them a barn burner of a letter. Express every emotion you have and said, you rascal, you shouldn't have done this. You dirty dog, this was wrong. And I'm furious with you for doing it. You made a mess out of my life and I'm mad, mad, mad. Let it all all hang out. Then put the letter aside for a few hours. Then get it back out and reread it to make certain you've included everything there. And then if you have to add a PS or even two PSs or three PSs or four PSs, add them all. Read it good and make certain it is all out. Then you take that letter, might be 10 or 12 pages, you go outside and one by one You say, you dirty dog, you shouldn't have done it, but you burn it and simply say, I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to forgive you for this. Burn the next page and say, I forgive you for this. Burn the next page and say, I forgive you for this. Burn the next page and say, I forgive you for this. Now, let me emphasize a point. When a lot of crimes against a person have been committed, especially incest, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, and they've been uh, brutalized over a long period of time. For some people, it is absolutely impossible to forgive them without some help. I encourage you to get that counseling because that forgiveness is absolutely critical. You must forgive them for what they have done. And I know a lot of people might rightfully argue, well, that so-and-so doesn't deserve to be forgiven. You know, I would agree with you. However, let me encourage you, let God be the decider in that issue. Don't play God. Let God forgive them. Let God deal with them on that area. But you need to forgive them for your own benefit. That might take counseling, as I'm saying, and in many, many, many cases, it absolutely will take counseling. But let me also say this, uh, that uh, this can be enormously dangerous. Incidentally, 
I do not recommend that you necessarily go and confront that person, particularly at this stage of the game. At some later date, provided uh, it doesn't interfere with a marriage that somebody else has consummated since then, don't be vindictive. Hanselia says the healthiest human emotion is gratitude and the most destructive is revenge. Do not do anything that would hurt the other person. Remember, you have forgiven them. Now, let me emphasize a point. When I said a moment ago, forget it, theoretically, and in most cases, logically, that is impossible to do, is to forget it. Because everything we've ever seen, heard, smelled, tasted, touched, or thought about has become a part of us. But when I say forget it, you forget that you're going to extract vengeance on them. You give up the right to extract revenge from them. That's what I'm talking about when I make that statement. It's tough to do, but it's so enormously important. Are you willing to try this? Start with writing a letter to that person, detailing how they have hurt you, but don't send it. After you have finished, you can burn it, shred it, or just throw it away. And say, I forgive you. Try it this week and see if it lightens your load a little bit. This is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.